Hey, everybody. I got a new hat today. Um, so if you're wondering why I don't have my, my regular baseball hat on backwards, for those of you watching the video, it's because uh, while my daughter and I were out having lunch with my good friend Anthony today, um, we saw this awesome Italian hat. And if you're listening to the podcast and not watching the video, I highly suggest you check out my new headwear. Um, not so fashionable, but boys that keep my ears warm. I am unfortunately one of those guys that hates turning on the heat. And it's, it, it, I'm on the top floor of my place uh, where, I, where I stay. So a lot of the heat rises. Mostly the folks that live here at uh, Trade Geek Central and the other apartments are well into their 70s and 80s. So they keep their apartments. What I would imagine is more of a tropical temperature and that heat all rises up here. So um, partly to make my daughter laugh tonight, I was wearing this and, and partly to keep my ears warm because I'm, as you all know, a uh, middle-aged pear-shaped balding economist. So uh, also tonight, not beer. Like when I had Hector on, I'm doing the old dark and stormies here in my favorite mug. Oh God, dark and stormies. Talk about a sailor drink, huh? Ginger beer and bitters to keep your tum-tum happy. Um, yeah, so had a wonderful holiday and uh, looking forward to New Year. Wanted to start off the podcast by thanking all of you for listening, for all of you to continue to flood trade school and to listen to this podcast. I cannot believe the number of people who of their own volition decide to sit down for 45 minutes to an hour and listen to me postulate on matters of international trade. But hey, Stranger things have happened. Um, Tom Arnold is a celebrity, so if that can happen, anything can. I like every year to make predictions about where I think the world is going. I tend to do pretty well with these predictions. Um, a good friend of mine, when we were doing uh, a conversation of the day, said that he had heard me on trade school say I'm batting about 700, and uh, he says probably closer to 800. I've had some big whiffs, but for the most part, I tend to get these things right. Uh, so I wanted to talk about a couple of those today. Um, also wanted to give you an update on 2020 and where I'll be and what I'll be doing. And, um, yeah, um, put out there from the very beginning, we're going to start taking questions. So every week, if you have a question in particular that you would like to have answered on the podcast, you can hit me up at pete.mento at crow.com, C-R-O-W-E. That's pete.mento at crow.com. If we use your question on the podcast, you will get a autographed uh, poster with that fantastic cartoon that my friend Ed Smith, uh, the cartoonist, did for me. And um, I don't know. I'll promise you when I see you, I'll buy you a cocktail like I wasn't going to already, right? So uh, please do send in your questions. So yeah, uh, crazy year for all of us. I think many of us are happy to see 2020 end, but again, let's be real and rational here. We're kind of going into 2019 to end, going into 2020 with a lot of the same stuff. Um, there's only been limited resolution to many things that have been driving all of us nuts. So I guess we'll start with the obvious. Um, you got your Chinese trade war with the US and a phase one deal. We're all dancing in the streets with David Bowie and uh, Mick Jagger, but let's be honest and realistic. I'm not quite sure if this was the outcome that we had all hoped for. Very limited in the amount of imports the Chinese have agreed to buy from us, exports. Very limited in what we're hearing regarding intellectual property rights. So did we really come to some sort of an agreement on this? I'm not sure that we did. Um, you know, there's good news in it. 
I think any time that we hear that $50 billion worth of American agriculture is suddenly going to get bought, that's wonderful news. We're all quite happy about that. Um, but at the same time, do we really get resolution on IP? I'm not sure that we did. And that was the whole point of this trade war. And I keep saying it over and over again. If this doesn't get resolved in a positive way, the trade war was for nothing. It was for absolutely nothing. Um, my opinion in 2020 is that we will see the lingering effects of this trade war. Assuming that the president wins a re-election, it is likely that list one, two, and three will stay in place. And they will stay in place until the Chinese follow through with their, with their, um, with their agreements and their commitments. I'm not sure that will be the case. We'll see. Um, the fact that the list four tariffs did not go into place, I think might embolden them to get a little cute, but you know, we'll see what goes on there. What will be in the next phase? Who knows, but you hear a lot of folks grousing that there's a chance that there could be the, uh, you know, the structure for U.S. China Free Trade Agreement, wouldn't that be amazing? Um, as well as a definitive tribunal, which everybody wanted with regards to IP infractions, where people could bring their infractions to this tribunal and have it reviewed. For those of you who are not enjoying the video feed and are instead listening to the audio glory, which is the Trade Geek Podcast, you're missing the fact that I have on my new hat. Uh, my daughter and I had lunch today with my friend Anthony. And I got this great new hat. Um, it's, it's pretty warm. You, you should all be incredibly jealous of the fact that you don't own a hat like this. And if you don't, you should get one. But this is my new Italy hat. I did become an Italian citizen last year. Um, I have a passport and everything. So that's kind of cool. And my daughter will be coming, becoming one soon. And we're going to take a trip to Italy at some point next year. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, it's a good segue to the fact that Europe and the U.S. have been having some real problems. We have a, uh, you know, an Airbus issue that hasn't been resolved. You have the addition of these technology taxes and the way that we hit France. And I can assure you that the next ones to be popped, you know, Austria, um, Italy, and uh, Turkey are looking to be more and more likely. So all of these retail duties are probably going to hit them next. Don't be shocked when it happens. Um, and this, this trade war seems to be just as dug in, maybe even worse as what we have with China. Now, here's what's crazy. As soon as anybody touches the third rail of automotive, this all goes sideways, but no one's even talking about it yet. So I see that in 2020, you're probably going to have all of the list one, two, and three tariffs stay in place. I don't see a resolution to the U S European issues possibly with the U.S. and France, who knows how they work that out. Tax policy is, is pretty crazy. Uh, but I think those two are, are going to continue to be an issue going into the year. So if you haven't made adjustments, if you haven't worked hard to come up with some way of, of managing your, um, your, your tariff burden in those areas, I suggest that you, you start looking into that quickly because they're not probably going to go anytime soon. So many of our clients are looking at alternative places to produce goods. Fascinating again, and wonderful news. It's always good to have a plan B, C, and D. Uh, and many of them are choosing not to leave. They're probably going to stay where they're manufacturing now, which is incredible. Um, but we're all looking for certainty. So we're looking for countries that are unlikely going to get into a worse trade war. And speaking of uncertainty, you know, the election has a lot to do with these questions. Will President Trump win again? 
Um, and if he doesn't, would a democratic president roll back what's going on with China? So here's what I'll say to those two things. Number one is, in my opinion, very unlikely that President Trump does not win re-election. So um, that's probably a really roundabout way of saying it. I'm pretty sure President Trump is going to win the election unless, um, I don't know. I can't, I mean, at this point, I can't imagine, because if, if I were to say to you that another president had been in an election year, you know, impeached by the Congress and it was going to the Senate, uh, if I were to say about a lot of things that are happening right now, and, you know, we don't talk about directly about politics, but it's just, um, it's an incredible situation that with all the things that are going on around him, it's, it's very unlikely he doesn't get reelected. Um, that's just that. Uh, I talked to a good friend of mine two days, three days ago, it was Christmas Eve, um, who's a consultant for the DNC. And he is pretty sure that Elizabeth Warren is going to be the nominee. And I don't know if I agree with him. But he's pretty sure it'll be uh, Elizabeth Warren and then who knows for, but it won't be someone else running is what he said. That's just bad blood. I don't know. Um, but I can't imagine that, that that will be a good enough ticket to take this guy out. We'll see. Anyway, no matter who wins, I imagine that these tariffs will stay in place because for those of you who keep forgetting for the longest time, it was the left uh, that was looking for some sort of inducement to, to, to slow trade down and to find ways to get us back on top and to get a more fair playing field. So they're kind of getting what they wanted all along. Um, and then it's a Republican president who did it and he is um, being applauded for it by the right, which doesn't seem normal, right? That was always the, the free trading kind of the side of things. So um, I don't see that going away either way. Um, India and GSP will probably get resolved this year. I'm surprised it took this long. And for USMCA, dude, like out of nowhere, Congress decides they're all about about it, which I, I'm, again, I mean, I've been drinking heavy for the past year, but not that heavy. So it's shocking to me that we're there. Aside from the compliance issues of $16 an hour manufacturing, there's not a whole lot else for you guys to know about this. If you're in the automotive industry, it is going to be an enormous pain in the ass trying to understand how much people got paid, being able to prove it. I'm, um, I'm not envious of that task. I have a feeling it could be a growth industry for consulting if this sticks in place. So we'll see where that goes. But I, I do believe that after the impeachment vote, true to their word, these guys will vote this thing in. So um, some point in 2020, then we'll see how long it takes to actually implement it. Uh, another interesting thing I've been talking a lot about lately is, is um, where does Brexit play in uh, you know the whole America thing um, with where we are. And I don't think we have all that much to do with it really as far as influence. Um, we're going to be sitting on the sidelines waiting to see how this fight ends with, um, with Boris Johnson getting his decisive victory. It would appear that a, a real hard Brexit will happen. And that being the case, if you're not prepared with your trading in Europe classifications and you have a plan in place, you are going to be in a world of hurt. So if you remember not that long ago, well, actually, it kind of was now, but Dan Dan, the import man, and I, when President Trump got elected, told all of you there's a good chance there's going to be some really nasty tariffs with regards to China. Get a plan. I'm telling you right now, if Brexit happens the way it looks like it's going to happen, you better have a plan to deal with it. 
You better have your products classified. You better have all your banking in line, your logistics in line. Have you talked to your brokers? Brokers need to be your first line of defense here. Feel free to give me a call, um, but unless it's really complicated, you're probably not going to need that much help on the logistics side, on the tax side. Yes, please do give me a call. Um, but on the logistics side, if you're talking to your broker, you talk to your freight forwarder and get that sorted out. Overland trucking, all of it, because I have a feeling most of the, actually I don't have a feeling, I know that most of the significant freight forwarders and logistics providers have a plan in place. So it would behoove you to know how they plan on serving you when things all go sideways on fire um, if Brexit were to happen. Uh, okay, so a couple more things I want to talk about. The, uh, the economy. I think that 2020 will be another good year. I think we'll probably have a, a GDP growth. Believe it or not, I think we're going to hit that 3% again. Um, I think that unemployment will remain low. I think that wages aren't going to grow that much, which is a strange thing, you know? You think that with unemployment so low, wages would grow a lot, but I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, sorry. I'm, you know, it's still Christmas, so I'm not really working. So if I'm doing a podcast at midnight, I'm probably going to have a cocktail or two here. So uh, I apologize that I keep stopping to have a drink. In any case, um, I believe that 2021 is the year that we begin to feel the negative pressure. And it's going to be a doozy because you're going to have, I think, significant global pressures outside of the United States affecting the global economy. I think that we're due for a Chinese debt crisis. I think that all of the additional duties around the world are only going to, to, to you know, speed up inflation. I think you're going to see a lot of countries who were just skating by really hit a pretty rough patch. And a lot of that's going to come again from debt. So where are housing prices out of control? Where are we seeing stupid loans? Countries like Canada, countries like China in particular. I think the Chinese debt crisis will be the thing that really pops this thing off. So watching all that closely, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I think that oil is probably going to stay at about where it's at now, maybe go up a little bit. Who, who knows? But with America's changing attitudes toward consumption of fossil fuels and the way that we're more or less an energy independent country now, it's, it's hard to put your finger on a need for increases. Down economy, America being pretty much energy neutral right now, I, I don't see how the world's oil prices take a big bounce on that. Add to the fact that so much of consumption is based on global trade. Uh, I don't see a lot of ships and a lot of airplanes needing a lot of fuel uh, in 2021. And this is all based on futures. So we'll see where that goes. Um, one more thing about the economy, at least in the United States, I think you're, you're going to see a lot of cool stuff. Kind of like if you remember when the economy wasn't so hot at the end of the Bush term, the beginning of Clinton, but then all this technology stuff started catching up. I think that's what you're going to get to watch at the end of 2021. You're going to start to see the inklings of those really cool innovation economy things begin to become mainstream. And with that, uh, a bounce to the American economy and other countries trying to follow suit. I'll give you a great example of that. Um, electric cars. So make no, I've never made any bones about it. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. And I'm a huge fan for a couple of reasons. One, it makes sense from an environmental perspective that we should be investing in these technologies. Um, two, a lot of it originates from the US. A lot of the technology that we know about electric cars comes, at least in the modern electric cars, comes from companies like Tesla. And number three, um, the technology is super cool. 
I mean, it, it's it's super cool, you know. Um, the speed and and uh, the amazing things that these cars can do, they're they're incredible. You know, Hector has a Tesla, and I make fun of it endlessly because he has like the the little Tesla, you know, like the like the baby's first Tesla, Tesla. That's what he rides. Um, but I worry about companies like Tesla, I, and and. You know, this is my own personal opinion as a guy who's a bit of a groupie for the, I don't own one. Um, I drive a gas guzzling Jeep Wrangler and a Harley that probably gets the worst gas mileage of any bike ever. But um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of them, but I don't own one. And, you know, Tesla took all the risks. And this opinion gets me in a lot of trouble, but I think it's important that I, I put it out there um, because of what I'm talking about. Tesla takes a ton of risks and they've gotten the reward for those risks and everyone equates them with the company that took the risks and it paid off. But the problem is when you're trying to out innovate everybody else and disrupt an entire marketplace, you truly have to disrupt it so that competition can't just come in behind it. Um, and there'll be a parallel with logistics here in a minute, but if you haven't watched a video of the Porsche Taycan yet, that car is insane. If you haven't seen what Mercedes-Benz is doing with their electric cars, they're positively amazing. And there, there comes this, this interesting problem you've got with electric cars. And this is, again, economics nerd talking, okay? So um, would you rather buy a car from a scientific genius um, or you know, who, who is the start of it all? And there are people who, because of the brand, they're going to buy that, that car. Okay. Or would you rather buy the, the same technology from a car company who is known for its engineering expertise has incredibly deep pockets. So they, they take all these ideas from the originators and they can expand on them more rapidly. They can take much bigger risks with what they're doing than their competition. And they're able to service it in a way that's different from Tesla. I think it makes for an interesting question because they're in a situation where they can, they can lose more. They can make crazier, you know, problems. So much of what was done by Tesla is open sourced. So I'm just, I'm not, I'm not feeling it for that company long-term. And then another thing that's always bothered me is you know, these trucks went out, it was a hundred dollars to get your, your bid in for one of these Tesla trucks. And that's not a lot of money, but it allows Tesla to go to the street and say, you know, Hey, we just got 25,000 orders. How many of those people have pledged a hundred bucks really going to buy it? Who knows? We got, you know, we got, you got 10,000, 25, 30,000 orders. We need money now to build those. You want to invest because things are going great. And like, Oh yeah, these orders are great. But they did the same thing with the Roadster and it was a $50,000 sign on for that. And I don't think they've delivered a single one, if I'm correct on that. Um, or if they have, they haven't delivered many. So it just feels like it's this, this machine where in order to make the things we've already promised and people giving us deposits on, we have to get money from the next thing. And that's not a sustainable business model. Um, I'm, I'm very worried that a company like that could get bought. And again, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So don't, don't take my advice. Uh, talk to your broker, talk to the people but it would make sense that a company like that were to get bought by another company heavily invested in electric and to see, you know, that company use this amazing technology. Another thing that's always kind of bothered me, Elon Musk just wanted electric cars to be 
a thing. He wanted them to be the sort of thing that was, was sustainable, that people were going to use electric cars. He did that. So is he going to care as much? And is he going to put as much time and effort and energy into it? I think probably not. I mean, it would make a lot of sense for Tesla to sell themselves or to get bought by somebody or whatever, or merge or you'll be acquired. Um, and then have him focus on going to Mars and, and building tunnels and Hyperloop and all these other amazing ideas the guy has. So um, what does it have to do with logistics and supply chain? A lot. I, I am inundated with consulting opportunities and job offers from these new to the world customs house brokers and freight forwarders that are e-brokers and e-forwarders and we're going to change the world. And what I say to all of them is you can come up with all this technology and all these ideas that you want, but you're up against multi-billion dollar companies that you're not really disrupting working in an industry that has margins that are razor thin. Um, you're just going to come up with an idea and they're going to make it better. I think that it's the same thing. I think there's a lot of really cool innovators out there, but most of what they're doing is just, you know, better self-promoted technology that's being done by other companies. I think that the margins on logistics will continue to shrink as these freight forwarding companies are put in a position where value becomes less and less important to the consumer. And that is incredibly troublesome when you look at it from the outside. It's fun. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's fun to look at when you're, when you're just, to me, this industry is like a bug under a microscope. Honestly, I can't get enough of looking at it. It's like a cockroach under a microscope. It fascinates me. And I've been in it long enough now that I feel like I understand parts of it. Certainly not the whole thing, but I think you're going to see in the next couple of years as technology becomes more and more of a driver and an indicator of success in this business, you're going to have more and more companies, large companies, adopt and acquire these smaller companies. And it will be the same people playing. They're just playing a different kind of music. And you can come in and try to disrupt it all you want. You're not going to have the ability to be as successful. So again, just one guy's opinion. Right. Uh, you know, last thing for the end of the, the year podcast, I'm going to be traveling a lot in the coming year. But here's the deal. So I'm going to be doing trade school every other week. So you'll have access to me that way. I'm going to be doing the podcast at least once a week and bringing on as many trade geeks as I can to talk to you. Um, and I'm going to be out trying to do more face-to-face one-on-ones. So one of the great things about using this technology is that I can get out my ideas and push them out there pretty regularly and, um, you know, to a pretty big audience. And then it gives me time when I travel to not be in one town doing a seminar in front of 50, 60, whatever people, um, and then maybe seeing one or two. So my, my intention is actually to travel wherever um, I can, where people want to see me, and then spend a couple of days there doing face-to-face sales calls, having lunches, having dinners, and getting to talk to people. Um, certainly, I'm, you know, I'm trying to convert this relationship into something financially beneficial to my firm. So the whole point is to look for opportunities to open doors for conversations about global trade, global tax, whatever we can do to put you in a better situation financially. So if you'd like to see me when I'm out in your town, drop me an email, pete.mento at crow.com, C-R-O-W-E. And I will certainly do my best to fit you in. Um, and I'll be doing some international travel, you know, first quarter I'm in, I'm in London. Um, I've been asked to speak at a couple of 
things overseas. I'm not sure if I'm going to say yes or no, but um, you know, the idea is to spend more time when I'm with people. And, and I, I intend very much to do that. You know, lastly, uh, you know, I said a little bit at the beginning, I can't thank all of you enough for the incredible opportunity you've given me to talk about this stuff and to be engaged. Um, I promise you that I will continue to work hard to get you information as soon as I hear it, that I will continue to work hard to, um, to mine my relationships so that I can learn everything I can and get it to you as quickly as I can. And I promise you to try to make it fun along the way. So hit me with those questions. Um, tell me if you'd like to be a guest or if you can think of somebody who'd be a great guest. We've got some great ones coming up here. And, um, you know, no matter what, try to come up with a, with a plan. Come into 2020 with a plan. I had a farm in New Hampshire. I loved it so much. And one of the things I loved about it was this, um, this old stone wall that went all the way around it. And it was built before the Revolutionary War you know, around 98 acres. Think about that. And uh, one time my daughter asked me, you know, how did they make it? And I just told her stone by stone, one rock at a time, you know? So think of your compliance program that way. No one's expecting you to fix it all today. And many of you have already built a hell of a wall, but just focus on, you know, hitting singles and getting one more rock on that wall. Think of something you want to accomplish every day, every week, every month, every quarter. And before you know it, you're going to make some real progress. And if you ever need help, please give me a ring. If I don't know the answer, I'll find somebody who can help you. And, um, you know, just know I've seen people in much worse situations than yours turn everything around. Uh, again, thank you all for the incredible support that you've given me over the past couple of years. And particularly last year, things really um, changed with all the all the crap I'm doing on, uh, online. So I really do appreciate it. Um, I will be locked away on New Year's Eve away from all the, the people on the roads, but all of you out there, Merry Christmas. Um, happy new year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, happy Festivus. <laughs> but most importantly, um, I'm wishing you all the most prosperous of new years. And I hope that somehow or another our paths cross. Thanks again. Stay compliant out there and I'll see you in the new year. Take care.